Warning, this podcast was produced by two men who still think that swearing is both big and clever. As a result, it contains quite a lot of it. Therefore, this podcast is not suitable for children, unless they're really fucking cool children. Yes, collaborators, welcome to another episode of Pop, Collaborate and Listen. My name is Dave Fensom. Uh, firstly, thank you for all your feedback on the uh, Suede episode. Glad you guys were enjoying that one. Uh, it was a lot of fun to record, actually. Not quite the shit show I feared it would be. Uh, I think a lot of people were ready for us to go in both feet on that record, and that, obviously that didn't happen. I mean, don't worry, we've got Cliff Richard coming up soon. I'm sure that's going to be a bloodbath. But yeah, this one is a special episode on Monster Magnet's 1993 album, Superjudge. This was an album chosen by our very good friend and listener, Sean, who made a very generous donation, which is why we reached out to him and said, look, do you want to pick an episode? And we talk about the process to do that on the episode if you want to do it. Obviously, the podcast does take a few quid to put together every month. We have, don't have a patron or anything like that, but if if you do ever want to make a donation to us uh, a paypal donation is always very much appreciated uh what's been going on in my life uh, i've been busy man i've been busy doing lots and lots of gigs been running at least five gigs a week down at the uh the late show at the warren in brighton on the beach been doing some really really big gigs down there with some great acts really really good fun that's been so far if you are in brighton before the 30th of august do come down and check out a show we're every thursday friday and saturday still got some amazing lineups coming up Apart from that, I've been getting ready to record my solo show, ADH Dave. This is my 2019 Edinburgh Fringe show, uh, and I'm finally doing one last run of it at the uh, oil shed at the Warren on the Beach, doing that, uh, well, tomorrow. So actually, by the time this is out, I'm recording this on a Monday night. Uh, you'll probably hear this on Wednesday, Thursday. Um, so by the time this is out, uh, I'll have done the recording. Hopefully, it will have gone very, very well. But uh, when that's available, I'm probably going to put that out. Uh, for free or for donations on YouTube so I'll let you motherfuckers know and you can uh, see me do my stand-up thing if you want I've got to say some very personal stuff in that show quite glad to be putting it to bed it's got to be said uh, but I'm very proud of that show anyway with no further ado let's crack on with this episode do get in contact let us know what you think and we will back with you shortly take care <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. My name is Dave Fensom. I'm Krista Greer. Uh, this is a special episode. We are doing an album that was requested by a listener. Uh, we don't do this very often, but every now and again, a listener will make a donation that is so sizable that we feel we have no option but to either fuck them or make an episode for them. And seeing as sleeping with either of us is really something of a poison chalice, uh, we decided to offer the episode now this one was chosen by our listener sean our good old friend sean o'toole you can find him uh, at vaporboy on twitter and the album he requested is super judge by monster magnet yeah indeed now this was one that uh, whenever he said this uh, we were like well is there anything coming up that you you think you know in in the, the early 90s where we're going through anything particularly stand out to you and he, he kind of instantly went super judge and both of us were like yeah that's a good one that yeah, is because we wouldn't sure. have done uh one of our own specials on this just in the normal course of things nope. but to be given the chance the, the opportunity to do it 
you know, forced into it or whatever. Yeah. Actually, this is pretty cool. I mean, we say that as if we don't just choose all the records that we do. Oh, of course. But, but, but yeah, we've got rules. We couldn't we couldn't really have justified one on this. I no, think. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, I'm, you know, I mean, I'll be trying to make a case for Albra Kings by uh, Dog Eat Dog. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, so this is an album uh, came out in 1993. So we've we're releasing this pretty much where it comes out chronologically. Yeah, in the last episode, which was on Suede's debut album, mm-hmm. we mentioned that this album came out at the same time. It was April of 1993, and so this is where we're, we're it sort of fits in nicely in our timeline. So 1993, Krista, were you listening to Monster Magnet? I mean, I, yes and no. In that I knew Monster Magnet, uh, I knew the single mm-hmm. version of Evil, and a friend had done me a, a tape copy of uh, Spine of God on one side and Super Judge on the other. Yep. And so I had that, and I listened to it a bit, and I enjoyed it, but I didn't really fully get into Monster Magnet at that time. Um, I was into... There was so many other things that I was all over all the time. This one was a second or third tier for me. Sure. And it wasn't really until kind of the next album for me on Monster Magnet that I was like, oh, fuck, this is brilliant. I should listen to more of this. Yes, What about yourself? I mean, very much a similar story, to be honest with you. Uh, This is the first Monster Magnet album that I heard. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went back and uh, got Spina God later down the line. Um, Yeah, this is the first one I heard. Uh, My friend Mick had this one. We were very much spending a lot of time in a friend of ours flat at that time getting stoned. That Mm -hmm. was pretty much what we were doing. Uh, And it was this album and Led Zeppelin 2 that were on heavy rotation for a little while. Yeah, Yeah, so this this is my introduction to them. I, like you, didn't get heavily, heavily into Monster Magnet until the next record came out. I kind of came back to this record quite a bit now. Uh, Mm. I, I think the first four Monster Magnet albums are all... Pretty solid. I mean, no, no spoilers. Yeah. No, no spoilers going into this, but we're we're Monster Magnet fans. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Yeah, I've seen Monster Magnet a ton of times live. Mm-hmm. I do enjoy their oeuvre. Oh, and- yeah, some of some of their shows are the best sort of shows you'll you'll see. Yeah, and I think, I think the first four albums are absolutely the height of the past. I've got some great stuff that's come out in, in latter years. There are, you know, but I think in terms of absolutely solid yeah. uh, bulletproof records, uh, certainly Spine of God, Dopes to Infinity... And Power Trip, yeah. all very good records for different reasons. Um, um, that's not to give any spoilers on what I think of Super Judge. But, for sure, yeah, okay. But we'll, we'll come to that as we go along. And also, uh, if you look at the timeline of those albums, the first one, Spine of God, 1991, uh, it was released on uh, sort of little indie labels, various places across the world. And they got some attention. They did a tour with Sign Garden. And because they got some good reviews and uh, some nice things said about them, they were signed up to a major. So this yeah. was their first major label record for A&M. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is kind of the start of Monster Magnet's journey into big album territory, I guess. Absolutely. Uh, and it also has the first appearance of the different guitarist. Yes, he's Ed Mundell. Uh, indeed, who would stay with them until 2010. Yeah. And so he's like a main part of it. So this is, it's not obviously the first album, but it is the first of this incarnation, which we would see going forward. So, like, obviously, commercially, this album underperformed, It was, it's yeah. fair to say. It, yeah. it was damned by, I guess, we, we talk a lot about the glut of great music that's coming out around this time. We are fully into the grunge era at this point. Indeed, we are. That is not the way that this band presented themselves. They were very much kind of leather waistcoats, 
screaming kind of throwbacks. I mean, the the, the bands that influenced uh, Dave Windorf, the lead singer, songwriter, guitarist, only surviving member, yeah. uh, the, who I understand that the uh, the rest of the band refer to as the Space Boss. Space Boss. That's, That's a, a good. I, I have that oh, on good authority. Right I should, yeah. I'm not sure I should reveal my sources on that one. Okay. But apparently, the rest of the band refer to Dave as the Space Boss. Wicked. It's interesting because you mentioned going out on tour with. Soundgarden. Yes. Now, Soundgarden were a band that got very much lumped in with the grunge era, even though they didn't really have that much musically in common with a band like Nirvana or a band. No, not at you all. Know. Uh, but they were from Seattle. Exactly. So but, they were they were part of the scene. Absolutely. But very much when you break down a lot of uh, certainly like stuff that's on Bad Motorfinger, as we've discussed before, you've got a very kind of Sabbath worship, sure. kind of heavy stoner rock big riff. Big sludgy, yeah. And so musically, Monster Magnet, with their, their big influence, so I, which I said I didn't finish earlier, you know, their big influences being things like Hawkwind, the MC5, you know, mm-hmm, kind of mm-hmm. that big, epic, psychedelic rock, but also with that slightly more punky edge. This band bought some of those influences and came together with this very, very psychedelic stoner rock sound that mm-hmm. was much more of a kin with what was coming out of the high desert with bands like Kaius, who we've discussed it, well, previously. Yes. Yeah, and that is the thing, because the, that stoner rock scene uh really started out west yeah you know it was in the desert in the middle of nowhere in la but monster magnet are from new jersey so they're east coast and so while they are definitely in with that stoner rock scene they're not aping the sound they hear out there they're adding something different to it absolutely they are bringing much more of that swirling psychedelic feel and a bit more a bit more kind of balls to it like you say an element that uh, wasn't going on with some of the, the other bands that Monster Magnet are injecting, and it makes it a bit spikier. And I think injecting is a very well, apt actually, way of putting yeah, it. That was a... Imbibing. <laughs> and, I, and I think it's a shame, because whereas uh, a band like Soundgarden got to ride the crest of the grunge wave to a certain degree... Sure they did. Monster Magnet were very much, uh, by view, I think less sonically and musically, but more visually were kind of ostracised and became part of that wave of bands that didn't quite achieve what they could have done That's because fair, I think, it yeah. wasn't in vogue, which yeah. I've, I've always thought was a bit of a shame, but there we go. Yeah, and the thing is, even after the grunge thing had, you know, after that wave had crested and it was on the way back down, whenever they released Dope's to Infinity in 95, which I think is an incredible record oh. and got great reviews as well at the time, um, it still wasn't commercially successful because... They were sort of in the middle of nowhere at that point in terms of what scenes were doing. That's right. Um, and it wasn't until 1998's Power Trip that they actually had a commercially successful album. And I was so, the I was so fucking pleased to see that happen. Mm. You know, because I, I, at that point I thought, well, this isn't going to happen. What a shame. Yeah. Yeah. What a great record that is. Yeah. Perhaps what we'll do in the middle of this actually is have a little rundown on what we think of some of the other records. Yeah, we Because we're never going to be covering them for the broadcast, no, are no, we? Not much. So, all right, okay. Let's have let's start as we often do. You've got the album cover in your hand. Indeed, I have my LP copy of Super Judge in my hand, and that is a great album cover. Right, so, I mean, well, okay. Y- yes, it is. Um, I love it. It's, I, it's terrific. Look, it's what, what it is, is it's basically one of these early 90s kind of fractal computer graphics mm-hmm. um, with a very, very psychedelic swirling. What it looks like is a rave flyer. Oh, it does. Yeah, but with, yeah. But with a bull god on it. Now, 
depending on your perspective, it is either completely the naffest thing in the world or it's badass, right? Sure, yeah. And it depends how much leeway you're prepared to give it. And I'm prepared to give it all of the leeway because I love this record. I, and that works perfectly for it. It, it is. It's like the seven, 60s and 70s fonts, the psychedelic, the hippie fonts, mm-hmm. the angry bull god on yeah. there, uh, you know, really just close up in your face. And like you say, the weird swirly fractally stuff in the background so it's it's straight up you go in there's drugs yeah uh, there's voyages on trips here mm-hmm. and there's some weird otherworldly possibly you know Norse god kind of thing going on as well I think it's a, this is a lovely album cover and the thing with their album covers right if you think of them all the way through so Spine of God Super Judge Dopes to Infinity yeah all got interesting sort of art covers, uh, you know, weird drawings or yeah. scantily clad space women, whatever it is. Yeah. And then you get to Par Trip, which was the first commercially successful one. Yeah. And that's a terrible album cover. Oh, it just looks like a Master P album cover. Awful. It was deliberately that way, though, wasn't it? It, it, was, it was, yeah, because they were watching what was happening in, in rap videos around that time. And they they presented their entire aesthetic in that kind of rock star hip-hop video in the same right. way that for example uh you know marilyn manson did with that tainted love video oh i say okay where sure. it's very yeah. much presented like a hip-hop kind of cliche video but yeah. he gothed it up and probably done some horrible oh, crimes yeah let's not even think what happened in the summer of the swimming pool anyway so um yeah so uh, yeah we, we, we're we're fans of this album cover aren't we oh i i really am i think that's great uh, it, uh, yes it is cheesy and the sort of thing you'd go oh well surely they won't do that you know, I've heard this album. Surely they're not going to go down that path and make it such a stereotype. But yeah, it's brilliant. I would imagine if there was a poster version of it, it would react under a black light. Oh, wonderful. I would hope so. Anyway, let's dive into this record, shall we? Radio. So track one uh, opens with Cyclops Revolution. And whenever I was going through seeing which ones of these were singles, yeah. which ones weren't... Um, this one came at the very end. Apparently, it was released as a cassette single promo. Okay. But not single proper, I guess. So, I mean, look, you've got all these effects on the vocals. This, this record already smells like drugs. Doesn't it? Oh, it, it's just pumping out of the speakers, just smoke coming everywhere. It's portentous, it's vast. You're like, okay, this is going to kick in any minute now. Yeah, I mean, that opening line, cut off your legs for you are too slow. <laughs> no. and, and Dave Windor's voice, just otherworldly. He's yeah. speaking to the gods. Yeah, he's got that kind of manic street preacher kind of uh, Exactly, wild-eyed, but, you know, just the wrong side of, of mental. He's, he's really gone off on one. And he, yeah, in this, he starts to sing about things like scorpions and... Odin or whatever. It's a really strange journey he's taking us on. I mean, throughout this, the lyrics are glorious bollocks. Aren't they? Yeah. Aren't they? I, I started to oh, think... Hang on, here's a riff. And it's basically a solo. The, <laughs> the, the main riff is just a solo. Yeah. And so it begins. Yes, quite. Quite, yeah. There's an awful lot of fuzzy guitar solo on this. Yeah, that's right. I mean, what, we, what we've got here, basically, is six minutes of very sparsely lyriced glorious space rock 70s mm-hmm. uh, throwback fuzzy guitars it's clearly music to listen to like stoned or on psychedelics yeah i mean the lyric in this man they're gonna eat me a mountain of pills so gonna eat me a mountain a mountain of pills i ain't got no revolution but i can fuck an angel well no what the hell 
you, you, you do have to wonder. I mean, I don't think they're taking themselves seriously. I don't think they are. No. But I do wonder how much of this is stuff that Dave Windorf just has almost experienced on some trip, or if he's just looking for the most ridiculous shit he can sing about. I mean, I think very much this is a song that's, you know, kind of very much extolling the virtues of uh, of drug-taking and the uh, the kind of megalomaniac kind of feeling like a god things right, sure, that you okay. can experience. He's certainly not touching on the deeper, more meaningful sides of... Oh, what, finding yourself and uh, going on an inner yeah. journey. Tune-wise for me, I do. I really like this. There's loads of the the big fuzz and echo and the swirlings. It's like yeah. really sound. Um, you know, you mentioned Hawkwind earlier, that kind of thing. But what, because I came to Monster Magnet... The first tune I heard was Evil, which is later on this, yeah. which is a harder sound. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I was looking for. And so whenever I, re- I remember hearing this and going, oh, this is all right, but it's not really what I'm after. You know, it's not the Monster Magnet I thought I was going to get. Yeah. And I wasn't quite ready for this. In 93, I didn't know anything really about that 70s psychedelic uh, stuff. Yeah. And so this was very strange to me. Where, whereas I think when I first heard this record... I was very stoned, and <laughs> right, and this sounded like eight times more immense than nearly anything else I'd ever heard. Right, uh, and so I was in exactly the right state. So, so we, like an, an oft-spoken criticism on this podcast is we talk about song length quite a lot. And sure, we talk about how a lot of songs really could do with a bit of editing. Now, yeah, to me, this is the kind of song. This is the exception that proves the rule, really, because this is bloated and inefficient in a lot of ways, in terms of a pop song. Mm-hmm. Right? But I wouldn't cut a second out of this. It's, All right, yeah. it's just this kind of glorious, fuck you, it's a statement of intent. This is what this record's going to be. It's going to be loud guitars and swirly noises, yeah. and it's going to be expansive. All over the place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, definitely, for that reason, I think it is a great opener, because it does go, this is what you're going to get. If you're not into this... You might want to move on to something different. That's fine. But this is what we're going to do for the next 50 minutes. That's, and I think that's actually a very, very fair comment. If you uh, are following along with us and want to check out and you listen to this and you go, oh, no, this does nothing for me, I don't think you'll get anything from the rest of the record. But there are some that I think, because they're a bit more straightforward and not as spaced out and epic, some of them are more tight and have the kind of stereotypical stoner groove to them. There's a couple I think you'd be all right with, but there's a lot of this. Yeah. You know, there is a lot of this, and that's what they do. That's what they're into. But certainly if we're talking about as, a, as an album. As an album, yeah, yeah sure, man. All right, lovely. So let's have a listen to track two. Right, so number two is Twin Earth. Now this is, um, I think, the track that they play most live out of oh, really? this record. Yeah, I was having a look at yeah. some statistics. And this is their most played song off of this album. Oh, nice. Okay. Right. This is quite often one of the songs that they'll uh, come back out after the encore with. Right. Okay. This was the fourth single off this. And this was the only one that charted in the UK. Got the number 67. And this is certainly, this is just, whereas the first one was very spacey, ethereal, this is just massive groove rock oh I love this you know, yeah, it's such a great riff it's all about just locking in at that riff and that riff being good enough to support the track yeah exactly like kind of Windorf's Step kind of there. voice just you know, you know kind of holds the changes basically because mm-hmm. the riff doesn't really change much throughout oh no it doesn't at all um, 
Yeah, straightforward. You get your head down. You rock the fuck out. For me, this is an absolute winner. There's a reason why this one is such a favourite when it's played live. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, absolutely love this one. Straight up, yeah. This is. I can see why they chose this as a single. I, yeah. I don't know why they put it as the last single. Uh, I think this would have been a good opening yeah. single, but because it is more of a straight-ahead rock song with that locked groove, you're not bombarded by all the other stuff that they have been doing. It's just, all right, I get this. You know, anyone who's into guitar music loves a big hook and a big riff. It's like, all right, here you go. This is for you. You don't have to uh, be into the massive drug haze stuff that some of them do. This is just a wonderful song, and I love that the video for this as well is so cool. It's cheap as shit, obviously. This is like the last single on a badly performing album. Yeah. So there's no money spent on it. But it's the band in the sort of 70s style clothes that you can imagine. You, if yeah. you go, what what were they wearing? Of course, they're wearing flares and leather waistcoats and mm-hmm. bare chest and massively long hair. Uh, standing on top of a velvet crucifix stage with massive um, sort of martial stacks behind them. Uh, and then just terrible green screen of fractal and hippie and changing colours and that sort of business it's exactly what you think and it works great, great for this song sounds perfect yeah. to me sounds and the, the to drumming me. on this song I think is absolutely wonderful you know sometimes it's easy to to almost forget the rhythm section on Monster Magnet because Windorf is such a great front man yeah. and so much of the rest of the music is in the guitar the lead guitar mm-hmm. but if you just look at the, the bass and the drums in so many of them Sometimes it just holds it together and it's a locked thing and you're fine. You just yeah. go with it. But in this, something like this, the drumming is brilliantly done. Yeah, There's absolutely. so much going on, so many fills. Well, that, that's it, isn't it? When the when the guitar is so, you know, so locked in, I mean, it, I, I said, obviously, Windoff is in charge of the changes with the vocal, but mm-hmm. that is unfair because obviously the other point of delineation is very much the kind of, the, the creativity in the drum fills, as you say. It's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, really, really, really good. Fun. Yeah, and for such a loose-sounding band, they're really tight. You know, they are brilliant. Absolutely, man. You yeah, know? absolutely. It, it takes a lot of fucking practice to sign that loose. Yeah, and that is 100% true. And, you know, that's at the heart of all of these bands that, that succeed, you know. Uh, you know, look at a band like Clutch, who oh, have yeah. arguably the best rhythm section Incredible. in rock music today. You Stunning. Know? Yeah. So, I mean, certainly in their genre. Yeah. Uh, amazing band. You know, look at... You know the kind of the work that was going on in uh, in those Caius records. You know with mm. you know with Scott Reader and Wonderful. Nick Oliveri on bass respectively, and um, Brant Bjork. Amazing. But yeah, okay, so yeah, I, uh, I love this one, man. I think this is brilliant. Uh, th- this is the sound of Monster Magnet I prefer, and so if I'm comparing these first two tracks, this is the one that I uh, would go for because this is more down my street. I'll tell you one thing um, I spotted when I was looking at the video for this on YouTube. Um, There's a comment on the video made one day ago from someone. And I'm going, is this, was this you, Dave? Uh, Someone said, if you all like these guys, you'll love a band called Quicksand. Oh, what? And it's like, I don't see that. No, no, I don't either. No. I mean, I love Quicksand. Exactly. I was just, I don't know if it was you just going on and trying every single YouTube video that I would have clicked on. No. no you weren't doing your uh, street team. Yeah. <laughs> if you like Charlie Bit My Finger, <laughs> then you'll love Quicksand. Oh, uh, yeah. No, I fucking love this song. I think this is absolute classic monster magnet. Yeah, Huge. Absolutely. Classic monster magnet. Quite. Okay, well, track three is the title track. Right. Supercharge. Yes. Oh, wow. Weird noises. Weird. 
Okay, so this guitar comes in. That's a very oh monster magnet guitar tone. It's beautiful. Lovely. Yeah. I mean, I got Soundgarden vibes off that. Oh, for sure, that sound. yeah. And then when you know that, hear that beat coming at the half-time pace, you know this is going to be epic, man. Oh, so nice. It is. It's beautifully slow and somber, but pounding. Yeah, it's just that wall of sound thing that, like, you hear that... that it's just like a buzz it's just like a hum you mm -hmm. know and it's the thing that Caius do so so well right? absolutely but this is just dripping with that 70s black light worship you know you can imagine people listening to this with their lava lamp on sure you know oh yeah this is definitely something I could picture this in some sort of scene in a film that was set in the 70s where it's like kind of the aftermath of a party that yeah. someone's had in a house up in the LA mountains and everyone's either asleep or standing up just swaying not knowing what's going on it's that sort of feel to it I mean the, the lyrics on this in the kind of I don't know chorus pre-chorus you never it's never really entirely clear which part of the song you're in is it sure but that we're all damned I'm an ape and a god in one a GTO from the stars Mentala's favourite son right and wow. Mentala being a character from the League of Superheroes. It's one oh, of, is it? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah. Oh, one, okay. one of many kind of 70s comic and sci-fi uh, references. All right. Because Windorf is so influenced by that. He's a big comic book fan. He loves that kind of that Jack Kirby era of 1960s and 70s. Right, okay. You know, kind of Doctor Strange, you know, it like references like Modoc in... Yeah. I think that's one of the tracks on uh, Dopes to Infinity. Right, yeah. Uh, you know, so he's completely, you know, you've got references to Planet of the Apes and things on different tracks in this. He's very much immersed in that sci-fi culture. Right, I didn't realise that, because I'm sure I read that maybe even one of the other song titles on here is a comic book reference or a comic book character. But I, I just went, oh, that's probably a one-off. I didn't realise he was that into stuff. Oh, no, he's 100% Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, you're talking about lyrics. You know, if we thought we'd had some drug references before, yeah. you know, this is like, break off a hunk of that brick for me, baby. I'm going to lose it now. Or then I felt my head explode and my mind was a mountain of weed. Nice. You know, it's, it's just balls out. I mean, my favorite ever uh, drugs lyric on a Monster Magnet song is um, I've got a knife in my back, a hole in my arm, I'm driving the tractor on the drug farm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, indeed. Uh, a song which needs absolutely <laughs> no room for interpretation. Um, oh, wonderful. And is the best use of a, of a tractor ever in a song. Much yeah. better than I've Got a Brand New Coleman Harvester or that fucking cunt tractor song. Do you remember that? The tractor song? That fucking, what were they called? Um, oh, shit. Nidri or something. What were they called? Oh, God. Oh. Nizloppy. That's them. Oh, my Lord. Why would you make me think of that? That is one of the worst songs Fuck I've me. ever heard in my life. Wasn't that like Christmas number one or something as well? Of course it was. Twee oh, shit. Terrible. Fuck terrible. me. Uh, but okay, let's just back to Super Judge. I mean, this is incredible. This, this is, oh, wow, you know, yeah. not um, it's not the longest song on the album, but it's it's the second longest. It's mm -hmm. nearly seven minutes, and it just flows and ebbs and pulses all the way through. Absolutely gorgeous. And they don't play this fuck alive, man. I'm going to check my statistics on this. Oh, really? I would have thought. I mean, I bet you they probably did in '93 an awful lot when they were on this tour or whatever like that, but. That's a shame if they don't do it now, because this would be great to see live. Absolutely. This would be, you know, that proper mid-set, taking it down after one of the, the rockier numbers and just spacing the fuck out of the crowd. That would be wonderful. Especially because towards the end, it, it steps up and it goes into double time and it's just like, it's like the rush takes over at the end. It's from that slow, 
beginning through to the bam 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 into your head. Yeah. Uh, I would love to see it live as well, but there you go. Thing is, a lot of the times whenever we do see Monster Magnet, it's at a festival, and yeah. very often they are sort of halfway or two thirds up on the second stage, that kind of thing. So it's often daylight when we see Monster Magnet. Well, I mean, I I think I go and see Monster Magnet headline more than you do that's probably true okay you, you did go to the what was the show in London they played all of oh, dude, uh, I've, I've seen like I've seen in the, the last dopes, I've seen them like four four times headline London shows in like the last ten years maybe okay fair enough because alright for me I would love to see this as the sun is going down sure. or in a, a venue where it is pitch black and there's just fucking loads of smoke and lights, that sort of thing. Yeah, I like. I mean, I saw them play at Hellfest a few years ago yeah. and they were fucking amazing at Hellfest and that is probably the optimal kind of vibe to see them like, right. because Hellfest is the kind of festival you can get away with not just playing the straight up greatest hits because it's see, okay. kind of a bit more of a con. You know, you've got you the festival supports an entire stage of stone and rock. Well, so, yes, sure. Yeah, you know, so the people that come know your band. You know, your if you're true. high up on that thing, they know the genre, so they're going to be looking for some deeper cuts. True. Oh, that would be amazing. Then, cool. Okay. Well, there's first three songs. One, two, three. That's a strong opening trilogy. Yeah, I mean. Christ, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And then we go into track four. Right, number four is Cage Around the Sun, which is about Nick Cage and uh, the newspaper The Sun. Uh, that's right, yeah. Mm. Now, when I first heard this album, this is a song that stood out to me straight away for some reason. Really? Okay. I don't know what it was. It's this kind of very clean, kind of acoustic I mean, it's not an acoustic, but I don't think... But I know but, what you mean, yeah. Yeah. Very clean, and then the vocal comes in. Just kind of, I don't know, the way it stands, I don't, I don't know what the term is for the way, it's quite a clean vocal, but it's mm-hmm. standing like prominently in front of the riff, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And this is a sound that we'll hear them do a few times over their career, is, is this sort of thing, where it's the guitar and Dave Windorf, not not in a mellow way, but almost almost talking stuff, yeah. rather than doing his huge rock growl. Exactly. And like none of the lyrics make a great deal of sense. It's all kind of nonsense drug poetry. Yeah. But it's all satisfying nonetheless. I see, this doesn't do much for me. Oh, uh, I love this. Right, song, I see. Right. Now, this one didn't hit me uh, much at all. Um, oh, see, this is this is one of my favourites on the I album. I see, right. I just I'd like when this song kicks in, because obviously this runs through twice. Yeah. When it kicks in, it's just such a delight, though. That kind of scream of rage, and the mm. fucking the drums pop in, and then the riff comes underneath it. It's like, oh yeah, I was waiting for that. It was like a, oh, it's that, like a drop. It gives you a, this is a massive build up because it is. It's about two minutes into the song before everything else comes in, and so it is a real. It, not necessarily a build because this isn't building. This is just no. doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. But it's there's a, a real tease to it. Yeah. Yes, and I, I agree. I do enjoy when it all comes. Yeah. Comes dun, crashing. Dun, 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 dun. One, two, three, four. I love that, man. Right. Oh, you know, it is. It's very nice. But I don't know. It, 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 I don't dislike this at all. Yeah. But it didn't uh, get me going in the same way that the uh, other I, ones I just did. particularly like it. There's something to me about that, that phrasing and that lyric, that kind of, I felt the urge to build a cage around the sun. Yeah, yeah. Duh, duh, duh. I just really, really like it. It just sits really nicely with me. Our old pal's about to make a reappearance here. Oh, indeed. We've got uh, is it a little hint of a is it here? sitar. Oh, it's, there it is. Yeah. 
It's a bit of an Eastern feel. Yes, mate. A bit of an Eastern feel. Yeah. If we ever make T-shirts, that's got to be one oh, of them. A bit of an Eastern feel. Yes. That's that's that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I th- that's what I think we should do. I think we should have. I think we should have. Um, uh, three T-shirts, right. like different colours, right? We should have just the the logo on our chest, sure. right? And on the back, we just put a different quote, and one of them should be a bit of an Eastern feel. Mm. One of them should be sax solo, right. <laughs> and one of them should be the, the compulsory reggae number. Right, lovely. That's the, that's our, that's our merch. I like it. Uh, hit us up on socials if you'd buy one of those. <laughs> we are. I'm expected to get inundated with no tweets. We are quite right. Um, and yeah, this is kind of out there lyrically yeah. and musically you know they are exploring something else in this one mm-hmm. um, I'm back into this but yeah it's just maybe I want a more straightforward something this is a lot of bits of things spaced out this is, this is it's strange for me because it, as I say this is the one that like when I first heard the album through I was like oh, I want to hear that song again right, this is okay. the one I wanted to hear again this is the one that I this is the one I think I remember putting on some compilations back in Back, oh, yeah? a, back around the time, you know, be like, oh yeah, I really like this one. I'm I'm very happy. You you enjoy it more than me. It's not my sort of thing. It's a bit too abstract in places. It goes goes off and doesn't come back sometimes. That's yeah, shit. well, you weirdo. Yeah, right. and this was also uh, the kind of the third single in inverted commas. Mm-hmm. Wikipedia doesn't mention it. It says that there were there were two singles off that, which is Twin Earth and Face Down. Yeah, this was in between them because on Discogs you can buy the seven inch. Yeah, they didn't make a video for it either. So again, I don't know if this was just more of a limited edition or a promo thing. Could have been. But apparently, it's uh, deemed uh, single worthy anyway. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Well, let's do track number five. Mm-hmm. This one's called Elephant Bell, as opposed to Elephant Ball or Elephant Balls. Balls. Elephant Bell End. Oh, nice. Because <laughs> okay, this one's more up tempo. Yeah. Uh, vaguely kind of tribal tom rolls. Yeah. I was thinking kind of that sepulchre. Sepulchre. That's exactly what I yeah. thought. Yeah. Whenever they they brought the, that percussion sound in. Hmm. I really like the percussion on this, so I must say oh, yeah, I, that was stood out to me. I mean, I, I've written here, this is, you know, definitely an album track, but yeah. if you like pounding drums and groovy, fuzzy guitar and then wailing solos, you're going to find something to like within it. For me, this is, you know, this is an album, album anyway. This is... Right, sure. I, you know, I think there's a fair reason why they don't necessarily... This is the fourth of the uh, of the most played records live because mm. it you know whilst it is a good record it doesn't necessarily have the high yield of singles that some of the other records do yeah that's fair that's absolutely fair I reckon uh, whenever if you saw them in 93 and they did play this though I reckon this would have been a killer one live because of that massive drumming and just non-stop percussion going throughout it that, that sort of uh, backline beat would have yeah. been a beautiful fucking groove to be this is the of. thing you know I, I you know there aren't many songs that Monster Magnet have got that I don't think I'd want to sit through live. Because sure, yeah. It depends what your your thing is for a gig, really. Some gigs, I'm there waiting for the next single to play. Play this one, play this one, play mm. this one. So Monster Magnet, and, you know, it's such a wall of sound that I'm just happy for the majority of the time just to stand there and let it watch over me, see what's going on on the stage, right. and just kind of, you know, like, really kind just of take them. it all in. Yeah, this one... Uh, uh, I'm, I'm saying that I don't think it's great. I think it's very good. Um, but it does have the line, my dick just got a million times bigger. I'll be pumping Andromeda soon. Yeah. That's a terrific line as well. I mean, is it? <laughs> oh, I think, that's, I think that's absolutely wonderful. And there we go. I think that's, uh, yeah. <laughs> that, and that's what passes for poetry in our world. Well, quite. Yeah, oh, that is good. And I think Elephant Bell is also a really good name for a stoner rock song. I think, yeah, that, that works. I mean, me. I think it's a reasonable name for a Thai restaurant. <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> 
So, okay, we're coming to uh, kind of the, the middle point of this record. This is an 11 track album. So, this is track six. So, this is the dead middle point. This one is called Dinosaur Vacuum. Misspelt. Yeah, vacuum spelt V A C U M E mm. for some reason. I don't know if that's just so they could have the word come in the middle uh, of it. Have you got, have you got, um, are there out lyrics on the album? No. Bastard. No. no, I've got, turned out, I didn't even realise, but it turned out uh, this is a US version because it's red vinyl. Right. And I, I only found that out recently when I was putting it on, um, on my Discogs list. I don't know where I can't remember where I bought this. It wasn't at the time. It was right. years afterwards. But uh, yeah, that's that's that one. So there's no liner notes in my version. Ah, oh, fair enough, man. Right, but anyway, look to, back to this song. This is another huge riff. Mm-hmm. It's it's in the same wheelhouse in terms of pace and kind of as something like Twin Earth. This is okay, sure. Yep. Um, and again, this is another one. This is the second most played live song that they. That off of this album. I see. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, it's a Far, big riff. Yeah, fast paced. It's a stomper, isn't yeah. it? It's kind of built around a riff. It, you, they, they put it down and they build everything else around it, kind of thing. Sure. Um, yeah, almost like the opposite of something like Cage Around the Sun. You know, 100% where you are, but, A to yeah, B. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but obviously, because Dave Windle's producing it, there is absolutely tons of psychedelic bolt ons. Yeah, oh, definitely. There's, there's extra bits going on around everything else. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the th- things I noticed about this one that aren't necessarily in uh, the other songs is there's a bass line that comes in that is almost put up to the fore sometimes. It's, it's just little boom, 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 boom bits going through that stand out to me, whereas a lot of the songs it's more hidden or just more background and wash. Yeah. But I really like some of the bass line stuff going on in this one. But what the fuck is a dinosaur vacuum? Um, I mean, I would imagine, like if you if if you've got a dinosaur in your house, they probably shed a lot of scales. Scales, yeah. let's say feathers. Feathers, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I wondered, is it like, is he trying to describe the the sort of the rush you feel of drugs, like it's being hoovered up by a diplodocus or something? It's just you know this massive. Uh, Sucking up into the ether. I don't, I don't know. know. Maybe he's talking about like the vacuum that was created when the dinosaurs died that the oh, humans filled. Right. Yeah. Maybe sad times. Or maybe he's just putting bollocks together. Maybe it's just drugs. Yeah. yeah. And right. but there is like halfway through this song as well. Uh, you know, it's six minute long song, and three minutes in, it mm. sounds like it's over, and then it just comes back in. It yeah. like almost fades out. And you go, all right, it's just going to whittle itself into nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then just huge, big psychedelic signs coming back in for three more minutes. Yeah, yeah this is this is absolute drug fr- uh, frenzy. Oh, I mean, this is this is you know, I think that that as well is another reason why it's a live favorite. You know, right? Oh, that, yeah, that would, it, yeah. that's a big moment. You know, seeing them live. Um, yeah, I, I, I like this song a great deal. Anyway, yes. look, so, look, that's pretty much halfway through the album. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I just want to. Obviously, we've uh, got a few new listeners um, recently. Yeah, um, welcome. Yeah, welcome. If you Hope found us through, it. if you found us through the uh, the Riot Act podcast, big shout out to those guys. If you listen to us and you haven't heard Riot Act, go give those guys a listen, man. They're oh, really, really so good dudes. Good. Really, really good dudes. Um, so, just want to let you know. Obviously, we this is a, a podcast that we fund ourselves. Basically, we don't have a Patreon. We don't do any of that stuff. Really, we don't particularly put ads on the, the podcast. I mean, I think we possibly would but i don't know if anyone wants to well that's indeed i think i ticked the box at some point on our uh, hosting that said you know would you be up for advertising and i went actually yeah see what happens put it on not one inquiry strangely enough but anyway so basically the only way to, if, if you like uh what we do 
uh, and you want to support us. And you know what, right? We do this for fun, right? Don't get me wrong. Uh, but as we become more successful, we have incurred more costs. Uh, we try and make uh, this sound as good as we possibly can for you. We've spent a lot of time into editing it. Uh, and I say we, Krista, puts a lot of time in it. You know, we spend money on equipment. We try and we've built this little studio. We try and make it sound as high quality as we can. And if you saw where we recorded it, Everything's held together with sticky tape, basically, yeah. isn't it? We should it, probably put a photo of this up at some point, though, on the on our socials. Oh, we should, our studio. Sure. we should for sure. Yeah. Basically, though, we do have costs into this. I've just gone self-employed again for the first time. I don't have a day job. Krista uh, runs the pub. We spend our money on this. If you want to help us not to do that and you want to support us, we have a PayPal link, which is on our website. Yeah, indeed. That is the way to support us. Any money uh, that goes into that goes directly back into equipment and drugs that we take absolutely um so it won't be wasted we will be wasted we will be wasted Mm -hmm. um but yeah if you want to if you want to send anything our way we are more than happy to receive it if you don't have any money we're also happy for you to listen for free this you know that we enjoy putting this out for free because we like the fact that anyone can listen and it's just out there for anyone who wants it if you want to you can buy us a pint with the price of a pint uh, Central London pint, obviously. Central London uh, pint. And yeah, just go to pclpodcast.com. There's a do- donation link on there. And it would be really nice. Thank you so much to everyone who does, you know, because we do get people, you send us a message going, oh, look, really enjoy this. Here's mm-hmm. here's five quid, here's ten quid. It's lovely. And it's just, it, it does enable us to be a bit better. I mean, if you listen back to the first season, you know, when we were doing this on terrible usb mics and shitty equipment you listen to what we're doing now we are trying to you know sound better and sound more pleasing to your ears and swear less we're trying to swear less less. we're we're not succeeding no you can pay us to swear more if you want i don't mind if you wanted a podcast that was just an hour of me saying cunt i'd do that for 100 quid 100 quid mate 100 quid fine 100 quid i'll do it um oh god i hope i don't have to do that Uh, that would i hope you do that'd be less fun oh we could just copy paste it well you say we i'm not gonna oh that's on you mate prick anyway so uh, yeah so that's it if you want to if you want to help us out with that then feel free to do it i guess the other thing i'd like to do while we're on this mid album break Mm -hmm. since we've got no albums or singles to talk about yes yes let's talk about monster magnets oove in general mm, okay yeah yep. okay and specifically let's talk about the first four albums because i think that's that, where that's their their classic period well that, that, i said what it also is is it's the 90s period the next album comes Very out in true. 2000 so Very it's outside true. of our remit officially so spine of god comes out i think was it on caroline Records? something it like was that? caroline in the states it was various different ones across the world but caroline in the states sure and it is a big psychedelic head fuck drug record even much more so than this one now oh, i think so yeah and in fact i mean we, we put a tw- shout out on twitter for this one a little bit too late in the day and as, as we saw we have only i think we've only had one reply so far oh, yeah but that was from our good friend mike collins and he said love this record basically but i must admit at the time it was a bit of a disappointment because it was following up Spine of God. Right, sure. And i can totally see that you know when when i when, when i listen to Spine of god that is Everything we're talking about psychedelic on this just turned up to 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. This is actually a far more normal sounding album, albeit with a higher production value. Indeed. Uh, but, you know, if you think about the the ratio of songs on this album, which are just absolute freak out, yeah. psychedelic freak outs, to ones that are a bit more straight ahead, stoner rock, mm-hmm. it's a step away from where they were 
from Spine of God. And it's also a step towards where they were going. Yeah. You know, people can say this is a bridge, this album is a bridge between their beginning and their commercial success, that sort of stuff. Yeah. And in some ways it is, but I don't think it's meant to be. It's just that's what happened. That's where they went. Yeah. I, I think this album, um, you know, and we'll, we'll wrap up Super Judge at the end, so I don't want to mm. do too much of that. But Spine of God is very much an archetype when when I saw them playing all of Spine of God live you know and they mm-hmm. just did this I mean God Christ knows how long 18 minute version of Spine of God good man. lord wow you know you got that lyric as well you you can't yank on the spine of God mm-hmm. like come on that's such a fucking like, <laughs> great ridiculous lyric and I absolutely love Spine of God I think it's yeah. fantastic but it's still not as good to me as Dopes to Infinity. No, absolutely. For me, Dopes to Infinity was the first one where I really sat up and took notice because it is so strong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it starts off so, you know, the first three or four tracks are just classic after classic. Yep. Uh, and so I did get that at the time. It was the first one that I bought at the time, you know, day of release. Me too. And blew me away. Uh-huh. And so that, for me, is prime Monster Magnet. I look back on Spine of God and Superjudge to an extent. I look back on them and go, oh, I see. Yeah, I do really like them, but it's not the Monster Magnet I'm after. Dopes and Partrip with the Monster Magnet I'm uh, after. See, I will, I, I will regularly go back to Spine of God. Because oh, for me, that's a flavour of Monster Magnet. It's like, ah, that's the flavour I'm in the mood for now. Mm-hmm. Dopes to Infinity is like, that's the flavour I'm in the mood for now. Right. And then... We'll talk about Power Trip in a minute. But yeah, Dopes to Infinity, if you're having that conversation about opening three tracks, Mm. certainly in my world, that album always has to be in the conversation because you start Dopes to Infinity, Negasonic Teenage Warhead, which had the brilliant video with them driving the car through space, uh, and then into... Look to the Orb for the Warning, which has got that going down now, down, down, down. So good. Big, big stoner grooves. Uh, mm. And so, so many good songs throughout that record. Yeah. Um, you know, the, Wonderful. The, not a bad track on that record at all. Yeah. Uh, and then they kind of went away and hadn't had the success that they were due with that record, as we said earlier. And they came back with Power Trip. But yeah. I remember first hearing that and being like, oh, I don't know if this is what I want from them. Oh, I see. Yeah. And I, saw, I saw the video presentation of that. And then I just sat and listened to the album and I became so immersed in it that that became my favourite album of theirs for a while. Okay, sure. Uh, it's not anymore. It's still it's still Dopes to Infinity. But that album is just their most commercially successful and, yeah. and it's also their most commercially minded record I think that they ever did. But it, it, it works so well as you know anyone kind of in the rock scene can find something in that, I think. Yeah. You don't have to be just into Stoner Rock or just into Psychedelia. You can... This this came out, you know, the height of new metal. Yeah. And was a hit in the rock and metal world, you know? Absolutely. Big thing. And uh, if you look at... I'm just looking at the Spotify plays here. Space Lord is three times as played as any of their other songs. Absolutely. You know, 23 million on that. The next one is down to like 7 million. But I, I think the interesting thing here is... Like we talked earlier about like the difference between grunge and what they were doing mm-hmm. and what Soundgarden were doing. And here it's almost the opposite working for them. Here it's almost like they've cha- that, that what they changed, yes, they tightened up the songs and they got rid of some of the psychedelic yeah. elements. But the main thing that they changed was the presentation and the way they presented themselves. And they did it, as we say, in that kind of Master P okay. rap video yeah. kind of everything was with those big fish oil engines. If you look at one of the videos from Power Trip and you look at 
Limp Biscuits rolling video. Yeah. They are very similar in aesthetic. So they presented it for an MTV generation. Right. In a way that actually, if you're not 100% paying attention to the music, you could very well fool yourself that this does fit in with that. I say, okay. You know, yes, you haven't got the hip hop beats and stuff, but you've got all the imagery. And I think maybe they learned their lesson from that. They went, oh, we've been. Put in, we haven't been put in with this thing because we look like this. Yeah. So this is happening now. Maybe we do this. I don't. I, I don't, don't know. I mean, I wonder how much of that was the record company going. Oh, look, this is what we have to do to get on MTV. Uh, do you know what? No, I've 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 read interviews. And, you know, I, I guess you can always um, you can always go back. But I remember reading an interview of with Dave Windhoff saying he was just sat and he was like, "This is the thing that oh, I, right, I yeah. want to do. This is the thing that I want to do. Oh, I want to fucking take it business after minded this. then. I want a hundred percent. Well, no, it, it was. I think you know he's always been fairly obsessed with the idea of of being a rock star mm-hmm. uh, and was very interested in excess. And he looked and said, "What? What does excess and what does rock and roll look like now?" Mm-hmm. He saw it and saw that as a template and imposed himself and imposed oh, what he okay. did on it. And obviously, the success that they had was arguably part of his downfall because it, from that success gave him the means to have significant problems with drugs, yeah, sure. which then led to his problems with weight and presentation. And it, yeah. you know, there were certainly, I would consider from God says no until probably around like mastermind or master burner, whatever that record's called. Right kind of wilderness years where it's just none of it properly gelled together. Yeah. You would always check them out at a festival, but I wasn't interested in listening to an album from 2007, that sort of stuff, you know. No, but some of the recent ones are worth checking out. Right. It's you know, but it depends. It depends if that if that hole in your in your music collection is is plugged by the the four records at the start. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Do you need slightly not as good versions of that? Exactly. On top. Yeah, fair enough. Like you said, right, four-album run, really strong, and has been, obviously, enough to cement their place in uh, the the, Pantheon. The Pantheon, absolutely. They are always going to be talked about as one of the original and great stoner acts, one of the great festival acts, one of the great rock acts. Absolutely. And, you know, know, they still get to tour to this day. Uh, And, you know, they're they're playing some reasonable-sized venues. Yeah, they're playing exactly what I would expect. You know, they're not selling out a stadium, but... They are playing a decent-sized venue to an absolute rapturous crowd. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And they, and they did have a little period, where I think, when they lost it live a little bit. Um, and I was kind of thought, oh, I think maybe I'm done with those band, right. that band. And I'm really glad that that hasn't proved to be the case, because the last couple of times I've seen them, they've been absolutely glorious. Anyway. Mm. Maybe what he needs to do is uh, dye his hair white and his moustache white and uh, do what Fred Durst did in that fucking... Lollapalooza show. But to be fair, he'd just look like Saruman if he did that. Oh, bizarre. Oh, that's oh, true. You know? well, yeah, but I think I think well, the the, the new Limp Bizkit album is going to be called Dad Vibes, isn't it? Is it? And uh, so that's obviously <laughs> that's all that's all shtick. I oh, think. Oh wow. That. Okay. I got Limp Bizkit tickets for next year. So I know. If, Happy days. Uh, I mean, it won't be. I, I, on a point out that I don't. Well, yeah, whenever Dave is saying that that that's all great, but I'm not going that. Uh, you 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 enjoy whatever fucking pissy indie yeah. misery fest you put yourself through. I'll be getting drunk and fucking hanging out with juggalos. <laughs> oh Jesus! Right, okay. Uh, back into the second half of this album, then. Yes, indeed. So, yeah, this uh, the first song is was the first single. Yes, it was. And oh, I've got this. Oh, you certainly have. 
Yes, so uh, this is Evil. Wow. And uh, that is, I've got the 12 inch of this, which was released on Glitter House Records, nice. uh, which was sort of the, before they were on AM. That's what was releasing that. And this version is a different version to the one that's on the album. Okay. Um, and I say it very often to people who are talking about Monster Magnet. I think that the single version is vastly superior to this version on here oh, okay. because it's a bit more raw. But it's also it's because it's the first one I heard. I heard this, you know, dancing in a, a little indie club in Belfast. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is the first of the cover versions on here as well. Yes, indeed. Shall we start off with the original version? So you, you, this is what is supposed to be. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is Willie Dixon's version of Evil. After a long way from home can't sleep at night Grab your telephone And this was out 1954, I think, early 50s. And so this is what we're coming from. Yeah. Right? So this is what you're thinking. All right. Very much a a blues standard. Absolutely. Every big blues trope in that. And so Monster Magnet, here we are. So, totally different. Totally different. But that's great. Oh, my God. This is good. Yeah, that huge riff. And like I said, right, the, the single version isn't different to this in any way, except for the production. Um, it, it sounds more live in some ways, and it sounds harder and punchier. It's absolutely wonderful. This is one of Dave Windorf's best vocals. Isn't it brilliant? It's so oh weird that he doesn't ever sing like this. He, he does it so well. So well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I love this. And like I said, the first time I heard this was in my indie club in Belfast, and Totally blew my mind. So this was out in 92 as a single. And I went up to the DJ immediately and asked, what is this? Yeah. I need to know. It's one of those ones. Yeah. He's like, it's Monster Magnet. He showed me the the, uh, the, the, the cover and it's like, fucking hell, man. And you look at the cover of the single as well. It's more bull god weirdness. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's it's, it's the, the bull god, multiple arms, like kind of bull god looking like a like a like um, an Indian like Hindu Ganesh god. or something. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um and I would find out that a mate of mine's brother had that on single because I couldn't find it in Belfast. Right. I was looking around the record shops, but it was basically an import at that point, and I'm guessing the two that they had got in had been sold to someone else, sure. and so I couldn't get it. But my mate's brother had it, and he put it on a tape for me, and I listened to it over and over and over. I fucking loved this song. I bet quite a lot of those, I bet quite a lot of the record shops though were quite disorganised in. In, in Belfast? Yeah, Why yeah. you say that? I just thought, you, you said to me, you walked in, you went, oh, this place looks like a bomb's hit it. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. A bit of terrorism uh, humour there. Lovely if stuff. you've been affected by the troubles, <laughs> Dave Fenson apologises. He's mainly saying this to aggravate his uh, Belfastian That's friend. totally fine. Indeed. <laughs> Do you uh, remember hearing this at the time anywhere? Like, I don't know if rock clubs in Luton were playing No, this I mean, I, like I, this... No, I th- I th- this one never really hit me that much at the time either. Even oh, right, on the yeah. early listens to the album, it was kind of just Albatross. I mean, I didn't know it was a cover at the time, and blah yeah, blah sure. blah. And I- I've come to love this, you know, a great deal over the years. I do think this is a, a great, great track. Mm. It does does come out live from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really, really like this one. Uh, love love his voice on it. Love the riff. Obviously, this is a, this is one of those kind of things where when you're having a conversation about 
uh, covers that are better than the original. This is one of those yeah. ones that you'll always bring up. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, my only thing I, w- I was going to say about this, right? And this is part snobbery on my part mm-hmm. and part ignorance on my part. You know, whenever I heard this and I heard then heard it was a cover and I went, fucking hell, this is much better. Well done, Monster Magnet. Bravo. Recently, last few years, Clutch put out a version of this. Yeah. yeah? And they started doing it live and then they put out, I think they did a whole album of cover versions. Maybe it's like something yeah. sessions. And... I saw them do it live at Download one year, and I was like, this is wicked, this is great. I enjoyed seeing it live, and it's very much like this version, Yeah. but I thought it was redundant to put it onto an album because we've got the Monster Magnet version. Why do we need a Clutch version? That is obviously brilliant because Clutch are amazing, Mm -hmm. but they don't do anything else with it. It's just like their take on this that they've just almost carbon copied and done their way. So I was like, why have you done that? And it didn't rankle with me, but I thought that's pointless. But, right, in uh, researching for this, yeah, a lot of the articles said uh, Monster Magnet's version of the Willie Dixon classic done in the style of the band Cactus on their 1971 cover of, of Willie Dixon's classic. Oh, okay. right? I, was like, I don't know Cactus at all. Okay. I'm sure, I'm sure my ignorance, I'm sure they're a massive influence on a load of people, couldn't tell you. But anyway, I went and looked it up, right? This is Cactus's version. <laughs> There you go. Ah, there you go. So this is 1971, yeah. and this is Monster Magnet obviously did their version in utilizing this arrangement. Sure. And so I'm sure that anyone who knows Cactus, whenever they heard Monster Magnet, went, well, why have you done that? That's yeah. absolutely redundant. We've got the Cactus version. And so I can't any longer go, well, what the fuck are Clutch doing? Why are they doing that? Because... Monster Magnet did the exact same thing. Do you know what? I did not know that to this day. I'm, I'm, I, I, that's a fact that I'm surprised I don't know. That's the kind of thing I feel like I should know. I, anyway, I well, have no idea. Good shout. Yeah, but this is it. Basically, I guess, you know, you've got a 1954 blues number. Uh, Canned Heat did a weird version in the late 60s. Cactus did that version in 1971, which is now the one that most people are covering. Mm-hmm. So they were bringing it to a new audience in 71. Monster Magnet obviously did the same thing in 92, because that's the first I ever heard of it, and presumably Clutch have done the exact same thing to a load of people in 2017. Well, sure, you know? and you know, let's be honest with you, you know, like, you know, starting with Led Zeppelin, and not exclusively, that's what an awful lot of 70s rock was. It was pillaging yeah. blues tracks and, you know, making them your own. Yeah, you know, doing or, a white version. Yeah, cultural appropriation, etc, yeah. etc. Et you know, it is what it is. It did yield quite a lot of good music. Oh, it um, absolutely did. So, you you know, yeah, I've no. benefited from it. So it's a- exactly. Right. All right, then uh, let's do the next song, track number eight on here, which is called Stadium. Mm-hmm. So it's big and fuzzy straight away. Mm-hmm. Groovy. I think as tracks on this album go, this one's a little bit unremarkable. Same here. I, I, I'm not sure if it's just because it's straight after evil for me. Yeah. But this sounds a bit more just pedestrian, really. Sure. Yeah. And again, very much as you said with well, the Elephant Bell, I think you maybe were talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, even though I don't love this one as much, I'd still love to hear it in a sweaty little venue. Oh, sure. Why not? Yeah. I don't think it's the best riff. Um, and it doesn't really do anything else mm-hmm. apart from that. It just it grooves along, yeah. like you say. 
and it's got the line, I've seen your mum with her knees pinned back, you'll pay everything to hear that sound. And that makes me feel pretty uneasy. Yeah. I'm not sure what Dave's trying to say here. Um, but So it's not a bad song, but it doesn't do much for me yeah, I, in I've general. Heard better. Yes, indeed. I, fuck it, you know, this is an album track. There's 11 tracks on here. They're not all going to be instant mm. classics. Yeah. Fine, this is okay. Yeah, but, you know, I, I, I mean, I would, I'd take this song over the worst album track on many other albums though. for sure yeah yeah no problem with that but it's uh it's, it's a bit of a climb down from uh, maybe again maybe it's just because it's straight after one of my favorites yeah that you go oh and then we've got this you know maybe it's that okay i haven't got much else to say on that one no, to be honest all, no. well, so let's do the next track which is called face down face down and this was the first single that's a nice race. i mean the first official single that a and m raised rather because evil was a single the year before but yeah not on the label. That is a lovely little riff. Mm-hmm. It doesn't scream single to me. It does, no, it doesn't weird. scream single. This surprised. to me is very much an album track. Yeah. I, I was just I was surprised that they went with this as the one to push the band up. And perhaps this is part of the reason that it didn't do so well commercially, because I don't think this is going to get picked up by you know, MTV or anyone at the time. Yeah, but I tell you what's 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 really good in it. Mm-hmm. It's that kind of like pre-chorus or chorus, whatever it is. That that I'll be floating. Right, sure, yeah. That's fucking right. lovely. And I guess that's probably what they were tuning into. That more melodic and catchiness. Exactly. Right. You know, they couldn't release Evil again. I also think this uh, in places sounds Soundgarden-y as well. Um, and 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 he does sound sometimes like Chris Cornell. And the video they've done for it is. I almost pushing towards that imagery that Chris Cornell played with at the time. Sure. Um, so perhaps they were like, "Well, they've got some success going on. Let's try and see if we can jump on the back of that." I don't know. Sure. I know. I agree. I mean, look, there are some absolutely lush guitars in here. It's not the best riff they've had. Some of the riffs mm-hmm. are almost interchangeable at this point when we're this deep into the album. Right. Sure. You know, it's you know the one thing you can say is that this album is very much. Of a sound, okay. There are there are mm-hmm. there are the the faster, slightly stompier bits and the spacier, more uh, you know more spaced out bits. But really, you can hear any one of those songs and go, "Oh, it sounds like Monster Magnet." It does, uh, yeah, definitely. You know, they're, they're around with a signature sound f- for sure. Yeah, uh, and it's a brilliant sign. You know, if you don't like it, this isn't the album for you. But Absolutely. if you do, this is it's got lots of different bits of that sign that you can mm-hmm. pick and choose. Uh, the other thing in the video, of this. Um, this was the first single, like I say, and so this is the one they spent the most money on the video. Yeah. And it's got uh, Windorf in sort of a, a tasseled leather waistcoat, bare-chested, obviously. This of is course, what he yeah. was doing at the time. Huge long hair, um, 70s rock facial hair, all that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. Um, but he is looking fucking buff. Mm-hmm. You know, this is 1993. This is young Windorf. And it's like he's almost ripped, you know, abs coming, popping out. Sure. And then he's getting sort of, you know... Uh, manhandled by loads of women in, in this dingy little club he's singing in. They're really trying to push a, a sex symbol almost thing on well, it, see, or was, at least was, put a, an image of that. This was the thing that, whether, whether Dave Windorf um, has put some weight on or not, does not like affect his ability to play the guitar. Sure. And, you know, I mean, I guess there are some things it does to his voice, but... The thing, and I remember seeing Monster Magnet in, you know, like 94, 95, like 98, whatever, mm-hmm. when he when he was, and he was always this lithe kind mm-hmm. of, 
Iggy Pop esque kind of snake li- yeah snake yeah. hip lizard man it had that kind of you know like a Duff McKagan kind of muscular kind of ropey. Oh, he got, he's got big arms. Yeah. Yeah, he's got big old arms. And it, it was always that druggy sex god kind of thing. Yeah. So when he did put all that weight on and he started, and he obviously hated it. So he instead of coming out in his waistcoat, he was coming out in sweatpants yeah. and a hoodie. And it yeah. was like, oh, this does take uh, away from it. It did. Um, oh, it, yeah. is, it makes me feel shallow to fucking say it. Oh, but but you could tell that he wasn't as confident and it wasn't what he wanted no you know and so he wanted to be able to come out in bare chested in a fucking waistcoat and yeah. go look at me I am your sex god mm-hmm. and if you aren't doing that if you don't feel comfortable doing that it affects the, the performance as I say I mean I don't know if I'd have picked this one as a single but I no. do absolutely love it I've got to say I, I mean this is this is a, a middling for me I, I mean, it's alright oh I really like it if you know if this was a regular album and we had to discuss tracks to go on Oh yeah, the playlist. I, I, I'd, I'd be making a case for it. Oh, I suspect I wouldn't. I suspect I wouldn't be getting it on. But, but yeah, this would be one of your picks. Yeah, I, okay. this, this would be up there. I'd, I'd probably put this above. I mean, I'd, yeah, I'd put this above nearly everything on here. Oh wow! I would say right now, this is this is mid tier on this album for me. Okay, well, let's do the next one. Right, so we were near the end. This is track number ten of eleven, mm-hmm. and this is brainstorm. So this is a cover again. Yes, this is the second cover on here of. Uh, a Hawkwind song. And this is a lot more of a straight... I mean, well, okay, I guess this is a lot more of a straightforward cover of the song, but I guess when we caveat that with the Cactus cover... Sure, yeah. That is also yeah, no, more no. of a straight... Yeah, straight thing. But this is three minutes shorter than the original because it's yeah. played faster. Oh, is that what it is? Because I was going, right, this is the longest song on the album. Yeah. This is just over eight minutes. Yeah. But yeah, the Hawkwind version is 11 minutes. So I wondered if they just cut something out, but is it because it's more... I think it's um, I think it's slightly up-tempo sort of they play it. Yeah. All right, okay. I must admit, I didn't know the Hawkwind tune at all. I didn't even realise this was a cover until I was looking through all this. Yeah. Uh, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I mean, look, if, if you are looking for the easiest, laziest touchstone for what the Monster Magnet sound like, they sound like an updated Hawkwind. That is, yeah, that, yeah, you know, yeah. and yes, yeah. again, you know, there's that whole MC5 garage rock thing that they bring in with some of the pacing. Yeah. But if you were looking to just do, you got to compare this band to one other band, Hawkwind are going to be. Yeah, like. exactly, yeah. Also do a very good cover of Silver Machine as well, don't they? I've, I've not heard that. I've got, I've got that on 7 Inch somewhere. Really? Yeah. Man. Uh, th- yeah, this is sort of the same feel as the opening track, the Cyclops Revolution big psychedelic but it doubles down on the non-stop kind of throb of psychedelia that goes right through everything mm-hmm. and it's got a bit more oomph behind it and this is another one where I picked out some really nice bass lines coming kind of in and out of that fog yeah. that it's creating it's, it, it, you can hear bits happening and it's really cool and the drummer does not let up you know bam 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 constant absolutely man. Yeah. absolutely yeah this is yeah, again, they play this one live quite a lot as well. Oh, right, it's yeah. one of the more... Still? Yeah, yeah. Okay. They, I mean, what they actually sometimes do is play Dinosaur Vacuum into, oh, into this. That would work, um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, I like this one. I've got nothing much else to add to that. You know, it's all, it's all vintage guitar effects and big yeah. riffs. Um, they're very much taking that song and infused it with their own flavour. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know, it does sound like a Monster Magnet song rather than a Hawkwind song. Well, it's not but, a million miles away from the original. But it's not a million miles yeah. away. But it's it's got, I think it's that kind of, the, like how kind of hard-hitting the drums are, what, how pacey it is. Okay. That's yeah. what separates it, I think. 
transparent. I mean, even though it, you kind of have to because it's a cover, unless you can do something drastically different, I don't think this needs to be eight minutes long as a song if you just took it as mm-hmm. a song. But then again, I'm not on drugs. Yeah. So who am I to talk? Exactly. You know? Who are you? Just some sober <laughs> cunt. Fucking what? All right, well, uh, which brings us kind of to the last song. Yeah, this is uh, Black Balloon. All right. Oh, hello. Okay, so we're back in that acoustic clean guitar with the Eastern feel. Yes. Kind of in cage around the Sun Territory a little bit. Sure. Um, you know, slightly in uh, Cooler Shaker territory. Uh, is it a bit, yeah. And this is, this is their skag ballad, really, isn't it? This oh, is, yeah, this is one of the... It, well, I guess with some of the, the other ones, you could go, oh, it's more about acid or being out there. Yeah. Whatever. This is absolute heroin. Because Black yeah. Balloon, it's, you yeah. know, the tar and coming in the little, little pouches. And, yeah, it's, you know... Veins. It, and it's probably the only uh, song on this that shows it the slightest kind of idea that drugs might not always be a great idea okay you know he does you know he does kind of express some regret that he's involved doesn't he but I suppose if you think of this as the last song this is kind of the coda to everything that's gone before mm-hmm. so perhaps this is the come down and the the, the realisation the coming to yeah don't know. I mean, this is almost like a post-coital wind down after everything we've had as yeah. well um, and for that I think it works but it doesn't do much for me at all, this song. No, it's it's very much that. It's very much a coda to the album. Yeah. It's it's the only place it would work, Definitely. I think, is, is at yeah. the end. Definitely. And, and it's only three minutes long. It's I, just like, I'd, and I'd have personally liked to hear this album end just with the excesses of the of the long cover. Of Brainstorm. Oh, that, yeah. that would have been perfect. Yeah, because it just it wigs out, wigs out. And I think that uh, would have been... And there you go. We are done. We're off into space. Yeah. Um, I don't think it needed this. I, I, but, agree, I agree with you. All right, well, look, let's break this album down. Right, mate. Mate, first of all, wicked fun. That was great fun. Really fun, yeah. Sean, good choice, mate. Well done. I hope you enjoyed what we said. Yep. I hope uh, I'd be interested to know if you agree with what we said and all that sort of business. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I very much enjoyed going back to this. I've not listened to this album in full in many, many years. And, and I haven't either. And, you know, I think listening back to it, I went, yeah, I really, really enjoy this record. It's anytime it's on. I'm going to pretty much enjoy it. Going to have a good time. Uh, but it's a great album. But what it isn't necessarily is an album of great songs. It's it's a, it's a band doing the thing that they do. Mm-hmm. And in that sense, it, there is a reason that out of the first four albums, it's the one that I return to the least. Right, okay. Because it's the most anonymous of those four records. Right, okay. Okay, now... Yeah. And I think when you compare it to some of the stuff that came later, like God Says No, and it, it shows how how much the band are in form and they're on their absolute sound. It is, mm. you know, for me, it is their fourth best record. Right. And then there is a bit of a drop-off, even before the things that I like, you know, that kind of Cobra and Lotus or whatever. Sure. Well, no, Cobra, Cobra, Cobra's not and Cobra Fire. Lotus, Cobra and Fire, that's yeah. the one. I really like that. Um, but the problem is it's it's a more anonymous record. than It, it has bits of, of Spine of God, bits of Dope to Infinity, mm-hmm. uh, but it doesn't, quite encapsulate those modes of the band as completely as Spine of God goes. If I want really psychedelic Monster Magnet, I'm going to Spine of God. If I want Stoner Rock Monster Magnet, I'm going to Dopes to Infinity. If I want Balls Out, Rock and Roll, Hyped Up to 12, uh, Vegas Metal, 
I'm going <laughs> yes. to Departure. Power Trip. Okay, yeah. sure. Uh, and this album and this is, falls in the middle. Yeah, there, it's yeah. a little bit neither fish nor flesh, but it doesn't mean it's a bad record. No, not at all. Mate. Um, it's like they're louder than love, I would say. Right. Okay. In that it's a band. It sounds very much like Soundgarden. It just hasn't got all of the punch of the best Soundgarden. And this is very much damning it with fame. Oh, yeah, yeah, if yeah. this was the only album Monster Magnet had ever put out, I would think that this was an absolutely fantastic yeah, album. Yeah, and I would extol it as probably a, more of a classic than it absolutely is. Sure. But Yeah, no, it, I, I see what you're saying. You've got, you got to kind of caveat it. With what goes around it, oh mate! If you make two better albums than this straight ahead, straight away, mm-hmm. then guess what? You know, if we're going to talk more about them and extol them more, that's fine. And so, okay, if you had to rank those first four Monster Magnet albums, yeah. you had to rank them from favorite to least favorite. Where would you go? I, I would be Dope to Infinity, Par Trip, Super Judge, Spine of God. I would be the same first two, yeah, and, and then, then and Spine of God, and this would be my least favorite of the. Of well, that's those fair four. enough because it, it is the really wig out psychedelic bits that I get least from. Sure. And so that's why I would I would swap those ones around. Okay, anything else to add, Chris? I don't think so, mate, but uh, that, that's what was, it was good fun. I enjoyed doing it. That was an absolute yeah. blast, mate. I really, really enjoyed that one. Um, next week, we're going to be... Well, not next week, but um, next time, we're going to be back with... Uh, we're back with David Bowie and his lost classic black tie white noise that's going to be an interesting one yeah. to discuss yeah, uh, yeah. anyway Let's all right well look guys hope you've enjoyed this special episode we'll be back as soon as we possibly can uh, i think we should be on a bit more of a schedule at the minute but oh, so yeah we should be we'll, able to yeah, we're, we're never you know we're never over promising um yeah, true. But yeah, uh, if you want, like, if you want to don- donate to us, uh, use our PayPal link. What, what's the? Uh, uh, just go to pclpodcast.com and there's a PayPal link, a button on there. Anyway, guys, thank you for joining us. Take care. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for checking out this episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. It was produced and edited by us, for which we can only apologise. We are on Twitter at pclpodcast on Instagram, also at PCL Podcast, and facebook.com slash pclpodcast. All of these, plus links to our various Spotify playlists, etc., are on our website, which is pclpodcast.com. Please feel free to get in contact via any of the social media or on pclmusicpodcast at gmail.com.